this is my best friend, Jen, and I almost had to leave her in the woods to die once. (laughs) (laughs) To die? (laughs) Oh, my God. She almost, she had, what was it, a high ankle sprain? Very serious ankle sprain when Mm -hmm. we went hiking one time, the first time ever. (laughs) First and only, it wasn't the only, but it took a while to get to get it back. Y'all, it was wet and I slid on the leaves <laughs> and then I my ankle caught like a root and so I sprained my ankle bad. That thing was fucked up for months. But it was, she, she fell the first time and she was like, I think I'm good. And then she <laughs> fell like a hundred yards later and we were like, all right, we got to go back. So we're on the way back and then she fell a third time and then I just yelled, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> well, the second time was, yeah, like I fell and then the third time we were almost back to the car and then my ankle I think just gave out was she like no more I was like do I need to go take the dogs back and like bring you back on my back like what do we need to do here <laughs> I was like no you fucking idiot <laughs> and then this bitch would not use her crutches for at all <laughs> and then her ankle was just hurt for months look at I only had to you know we're not going to debate this yes I sprained my ankle and then sometimes when I go and hike the same trail I'll take a picture of the scene of the crime and send it to you <laughs> Like R.I.P. Remember when? Uh, Never forget. And now, anytime we go hiking, is like a group of friends. So everyone's like, "Jen, you need like a walking stick? Like, are you okay?" I'm like, "I don't have weak ankles. I just sprained an ankle one time. <laughs> like that does not anyway." Um, now I can't remember what you're gonna say about me. Fuck, yes, hang on a second. <laughs> what was I gonna say? Oh, okay. No, I remember. <laughs> This is my best friend, Kelly. And when we were in our first year of grad school, she had a crush on one of our professors. <gasps> oh, I did. A blast from the past, huh? He used to run through campus with his shirt off, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. He only taught our first year, and then he transferred to some other school. Tex- somewhere in Texas, I think. I wonder if he oh, knows yeah. Brene. Oh. I should Google him and see what he's up to. Yeah. <laughs> he was a real silver fox, too. He really was. He, mm. was, a, he was a cutie patootie. I remember because in that class, we had the assignment of like the first day he was like, everybody find like something cool about Columbia and bring it back to share with the class because he knew a lot of people were from out of state. And he and I picked the same thing. And I was like, you're meant to be. (laughs) What was it? The Nickelodeon Theater. Oh, that's so cute. (sighs) Lovely. Yep. Thank thank you for that. uh, (laughs) I know. I'm like, wow, you hadn't thought about that in forever. Yeah. I wonder what spurred that in my brain. But anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Well. What are we talking about today? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Coping skills. We're talking about coping skills. This is kind of uh, a continuation from last week's episode, which, mm-hmm. to be honest, was 30 minutes ago that we made it. <laughs> so what? everything is very fresh for us still, but don't maybe not our for secrets. You guys. We talked about it last time that that was our plan that we were going to. I, Anywho. I will let everyone know I did blow my nose in between recording. And so I think there's going to be a lot less sniffles. <laughs> the sniffles in the last episode were brought to you by my sinus cavity. But perhaps you were having some sad feelings because that's where those live for you. You said, <laughs> <laughs> you said that sadness lives in your sinuses. It can. <laughs> it's also where allergies live and COVID. Oh, God. Maybe I'm, is it COVID or do I just have sniffles? <laughs> is it is it any possible thing or is it COVID? Who knows? I do think that that TikTok like trend when it's like, is he attractive or is he just over six feet tall? I'm like, that's <laughs> fucking dumb as hell. They have a lot of good ones for like, is it this or is it ADHD? Is it this or is it anxiety? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good ones. There. TikTok be making me laugh. That's a great transition into coping skills, though. You know, sometimes. People use TikTok as a coping skill. Oh, I know. Oh, God. And I guess we'll get to this. Yeah. It's like something can be very helpful in moderation. (laughs) Yeah. I spent three hours this morning on TikTok when I couldn't. I woke up at 3.30 and couldn't fall back asleep. And then next thing I knew it was seven o'clock and time. I I time traveled through TikTok. What? Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. All right. So coping skill. What are coping skills? Coping skills are... Think behaviors that you do to help you tolerate distress. Oh my God. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> Never seen me be so succinct before, have you? Usually wow. much more wordy than that. Those meds really kicked in, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last episode, not so much. This time, we're on it. But yeah, there are things that help you tolerate distress. And I think it's important to note that they can be healthy or unhealthy. Like mm-hmm. c- coping, when you hear the phrase coping skill, it's usually assumed that it means like something that's healthy for a person Mm -hmm. but like 
using alcohol or drugs as a coping skill. That doesn't mean it's healthy for you. So yeah, yeah. which is such a good point, because I know a lot of times, especially when I'm working with people with substance use disorders, like normalizing for them that like, Substance use is a very effective yes. coping skill, meaning that it works, but it's not a healthy coping skill. Yep. And that's also what can be really difficult because it's so powerful the way that it, it like that substances interact with our brain. And that's also what makes it so mm-hmm. such an unhealthy one. But <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So we want them to be healthy. God, I think also a lot of times that the coping skills like that wording, I think clients get like over it a little bit because it's like okay well what coping skills are you using they're like oh yeah what coping skills I'm like, oh no coping <laughs> skills again and i'm like well i mean it's kind of the point of the therapy right this is yeah I, this is kind of a sidebar but it is a little interesting how like so many clients come to therapy but then make fun of all the things that mm-hmm. we do in therapy i mean usually like they'll still do them but yeah not without some type of begrudging or sarcasm Mm -hmm. and i think that maybe that's just the stigma i don't know what that's about i think it's i think no matter who you are and i say that because i'm including myself in that is that there's always i think some bit of just judgment and self-criticism about going like embarrassment yeah yeah and so sometimes you just have to use humor as a defense mechanism even though you're like now i know this is Mm -hmm. the right thing to be doing Mm -hmm. so I get it, y'all. I get it. And I'm not offended when people make fun of me. Oh, things. I'm not either. Yeah. Or if I'm like, <laughs> I think we've talked about this before. Anytime I bring up affirmations, clients are like, oh, God, you and the affirmations again. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep bringing them up because science tells us this is very good for your brain. <laughs> or if I'll have people who be like, I know your next question is where do you feel it in your body? <laughs> or like, it's like, yeah. Great. This is working then. If you know that that's the next question, you yeah. know how to do this without me. Yeah. Wonderful. I know. I do love it when people are just so acclimated to our phrasing. Mm-hmm. I will say whenever I'm doing EMDR sessions and then I have to be like, go with that or notice that, I like sometimes clients will chuckle because they're like, yeah, like they're just waiting for me to mm-hmm. say it. So that way we can go like back into doing a yeah, set and following the script. Yeah. They're like, yes, notice that. Okay. <laughs> Which I think is also important for people to hear from a podcast like this, that like therapy is and can be and should be like a serious thing, Mm -hmm. but also it doesn't have to be like that all the time. Like it's not super serious all the time and that the relationships that we have with our clients are fun. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny that you say that because this past week and I almost emailed this uh, like a client after we had this session because we were laughing a lot together in the session And I knew how therapeutic that was Mm -hmm. for us to be having that interaction and talking about this thing that was like annoying and I think frustrating for her, but we were making light of it because we were like, oh my, this is almost nonsensical. And I think that was very good for her. And I was thinking like afterwards, like, wow, I, I hope that she knows or had that the wanted exp- to name that disconfirming experience. Like, yes, yes. Of just like, wow, I think that's exactly what you needed today. And I'm glad that that was the way we could kind of process the experience. And I did not end up emailing her, but I was like, God, that was good work today. Maybe it wasn't hard work, but it was still really good work. Mm-hmm. Which if you, I mean, as it relates to this conversation, like humor is a coping skill. Yeah. You know, people will say it's a defense mechanism, but that's also defense mechanisms are coping skills. And so mm-hmm. humor can be used as a protective thing or a soothing thing Mm -hmm. or just a distress tolerance kind of thing. And so that leads into the, what we're going to talk about for coping skills is different kinds of coping skills and the purpose that they serve. So like what's the difference between a grounding coping skill or regulating coping skill Mm -hmm. versus a more, typical, I guess, or like average coping skill or avoidance or distraction or what have you. So there's all sorts of different types of coping skills and they serve different purposes. And it's also important to note that sometimes all those behaviors can like this, the thing you're doing itself can be the same, but the reason that you're doing it can be different. Yes. Well, and I think also with coping skills is you don't want to have a hundred coping skills that you use. Like you want to kind of hone in on what are the ones that are most effective for you and then have those in your toolbox. And I think I've said this before, and honestly, I stole it from our friend, Nicole, like you want it to be a toolbox, not a junk drawer. Like you can't just have all this bullshit in the, I know she's great. (laughs) Nicole, Um, you're the best. (laughs) 
But it's it's so true. And a lot of times whenever clients come in and they're like, I need coping skills. And so I talk through like kind of the, which we're going to uh, about to talk about through the different kind of categories and then finding out which ones are most effective. And a lot of times I give coping skills as homework for people. That way they can try it out outside the therapeutic setting and figure out what works best for them at work, at home, in their car, whatever. That way we have some good data of like, okay, I tried this three different times in three different places and like, I just didn't find it helpful. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, then it's, then that's not the coping skill for you. Like for me, um, I teach a lot of breathing to Mm -hmm. my clients. Breathing is not a good coping skill for me because as a person living with anxiety, I will become hyper fixated on my breath and almost have like hyperventilating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like for me, it's not very effective or I haven't found a way to make it very helpful and effective in the moment. So Mm -hmm. that's just not one that I look for. I think it's also, I have this thought when we were talking about feelings last episode, but we talk a lot about anxiety. And I think that's because like experience, you know, personal experience. And plus we both work with a lot of trauma, which is anxiety stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, there's other things that people come to therapy for besides things like, de- like we're going to do an episode about depression. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted to say that from the perspective of like, and it breathing, for example, mm-hmm. it may not be effective for you, but that doesn't mean it's not effective for other people with anxiety or yeah. for, uh, or for other things like depression or, yeah. you know, other stuff that you need um, coping for. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times what we're talking about, I mean, Kelly had said like coping skills are used for, to help work your way through something that's distressing. So yeah. So if you're having that, something is activating, that's distressing for you. We just need to use the coping skill until we can get through that period. And it's usually an acute period of something distressful happening. Now, sometimes it can be longer if you're like, I'm about to go on this family trip and I, I'm very challenged by my family. So we need to talk about a lot of different coping skills to use throughout a significant period of time. Mm -hmm. But usually we're talking about here's this period of activation and I need something to help me move through to the other side of it. Correct. So let's kind of talk about the different categories. Um, Let's start with grounding and like regulating. Yes. How would you define those? Well, a lot of times for grounding. So if... And not to go back to just anxiety and depression, but a lot of times if we are becoming nervous and worried about the future, that can be very anxiety inducing. Or transported to past experiences. Yes. And then a lot of times if we are worried and concerned and feeling something deeply about our past, a lot of times that can be activating for more of like the depressive kind of stuff. Um And so for grounding, it can help pull us into the here and now, so into the present. So we're not future focused. We're not past kind of focused. We're trying to pull ourselves right into the here and now and kind of orient ourselves into this moment. So we want to ground ourselves in the current moment. Correct. I also (laughs) want to say... This is a test. (laughs) (laughs) You got A+. plus. This is actually... I When I said the thing about anxiety a minute ago, this is this is actually more of what I was trying to get at is that it's not just for people who have a diagnosed mental illness use coping. Like everyone needs coping skills because everyone has distress that they experience. So say like you have a big meeting with your boss, right? Mm -hmm. Like you might need a coping skill for that. That doesn't mean that you have anxiety or depression or some other mental illness. It just means that you're a human on the planet who needs to have some coping skills. And so that's more of what I was trying to, articulate and failed to do last time I said that. Yeah. So got it. Love it. Yep. So with grounding, what we want to do to help us come into the present moment is really focus on sensory experiences. Yes. Which perfect tie in with what we were talking about last time with feeling, understanding your sensations. Mm -hmm. So there's a very um, common one called five, four, three, two, one. There's lots of different names for Mm -hmm. it, but basically you, identify five things that you can see five things that you can smell five things that you can hear five things that you can taste feel whatever and then you do it for four then you do it for three then you do it for two then you do it for one or you can just do five things you can see four things you can Mm -hmm. hear three things you can smell Mm -hmm. i always forget some of the senses Uh i have to go through but (laughs) so you can either do multiple things or one for Mm -hmm. each number yeah or you could just be like okay i'm gonna name all the things i can 
I can touch all the thing, or you could pick a color and yep. say, okay, green, I'm going to name every single thing green that I can see right here in the room. That's, I was going to say that exact thing. Cause when mm-hmm. I'm in my office and talking about grounding, I always say like, name all the green things that you can see in this room. Cause I have a lot of green in my room. So mm-hmm. it's just funny that you said that exact thing. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I always let them pick the color, but yeah. So it's just, how can we engage something sensory that's happening? Mm-hmm. Because if, what you're experiencing sensory wise is happening in the here and now it's not happening in the past or the future. Yeah. The distress is coming from your thinking part, which mm-hmm. that connects with last time from that. Ex- like when you go into a spiral or you start to ruminate about things, we want to do, all right, what's going on right now and bring you kind of out of your brain and into your body. So more like the phrase neck up and neck down are things mm-hmm. that we'll talk about with coping skills and just therapy in general. So we want to kind of take a more neck down approach. So get you in your body. Yes, mm-hmm. your eyeballs and your nose are on your head. But anyway. Well, wow, I've <laughs> never heard that phrase as neck down or neck up. Really? I always hear top down, top up. Top. Well, you're that's top m- down, bottom up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Top down, bottom up. But yeah, I guess that is kind of talking about the same thing. Yeah. That's interesting that you've never. Well, I've also had clients who'd be like, I'm really up here. Oh, yeah. And so that's like the neck up. And so it's like mm-hmm. you need to come down here. That's it. Hmm. Yeah. I'm like, did I just make that up? I know I've heard it. Other oh, no, I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. you've heard it, but <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong. Just like, no, oh, no, no. I've never phrased it that way. Um, another good thing for grounding is just orienting yourself, which is essentially what you're doing with your five senses. So it could just be like, where, like saying out loud, like, where am I? Like, I'm in Kelly's dining room. I'm sitting in a chair. I can see Kelly across from me. So just orienting yourself to like what's happening around you in the current like situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like I can feel my feet on the floor. I mm-hmm. can feel my butt in the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing would be like rubbing your hands on your pants or your ch- my office chair has like arms on it and the way the way it's a wing back chair. And so I like to rub my hands on mm-hmm. the chair. It's very sensory based experience. Yeah. Two of the chairs in my office, um, which are usually the ones that clients sit in, they are the kind where like, if you, it's like velvety. And if you rub it one way, it like, Mm -hmm. look, you know what, like you can kind of change the color of the velvety touch. And so people will like rub that a lot and stuff because Mm -hmm. it's, it's very pleasing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I love those types of things. That makes me think of all those, um, sequins, like pillows and stuff that are like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why also lots of therapists have like fidget toys in their mm-hmm. office because um, that can be something that people will use for as she says while well, she's I'm fidgeting with a rubber band right now. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. the end of that. The, okay. <laughs> I'm like, How does all that help with regulation? <sighs> I feel like I'm about to fail the test. It's making me insecure. Oh, it's not a test. <sighs> Just you put grounding and regulation together. Well, I use those things kind of interchangeably, Mm -hmm. I guess. And so regulation meaning bringing your – calming your nervous system down Mm -hmm. to be able to bring the thinking part of your brain back online because whenever you're really activated – Dr. Dan Siegel, we've talked about him before. He has a great video about flipping your lid. So like when Mm -hmm. your limbic system gets activated, your prefrontal cortex doesn't work so well anymore. Mm -hmm. That's why – like I think this is a 12-step acronym, but they have the acronym HALT. So don't do anything if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Oh. So like if you're hungry, you need to eat or don't make decisions. Or, you know, if you're angry, you need to deal with your anger. If you're lonely, you need to connect. If you're tired, you need to sleep. Those are all things that are activating with your nervous system that mm-hmm. once you tend to those things, you're probably going to be in a much better place to make a decision. Yeah. So that's how they help with regulation or mm-hmm. one way they help with regulation. Yeah. Oh, I passed the test. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Whew, thank goodness. <laughs> Yay, we both have A pluses. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so wonderful. Mm. All right, so let's talk about distraction as a coping skill and how it's different from avoidance. Because I think a lot of people um, have to kind of get educated a little bit on what the difference is. And then sometimes have to ask questions about like, uh-oh, was was I avoiding? Or do you think I was just using distraction? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about my TikTok scrolling this morning. I wouldn't say I was just avoiding anything. It was just I couldn't sleep. But um, anyway, (laughs) 
Yeah. Would you say something about that? I'm having a little moment of. Mm. Well, I, okay. I was actually talking with someone about this, like in one of my last sessions of the week this past week about like, okay, that to me sounds like distraction. But when you've told me you use it in this way, that is avoidance. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, okay, I'm at work, something distressing happened, and I'm about to go into a meeting in the next 10 minutes, and I'm feeling really activated by my nervousness about it. Scrolling, I think, is fine. You have 10 minutes to scroll. That's it. Like, there's not a lot of doom scrolling that can really happen. Now, if you, like, came to work, and you were really stressed out about the meeting that's happening at 2 o'clock, and it's 9 o'clock, and you start scrolling or whatever that is, like, okay, at that point, that's avoidance. Mm -hmm. Because not only are you... I mean, quite literally avoiding work or things like that, but you're actually avoiding probably dealing with what is the thing that's making you nervous. Mm -hmm. So distraction means right now in the moment, there's not a lot that I can do. So let me just do this because there's something maybe time pertinent there. Right. Um, But also it means I might not have the skills or the situation right now to actually tend to this. So I need to have a conversation with Kelly about this and we need to co-regulate and work through it together. But she's not available right now. So let me distract myself from that, right? We table it till a later time. Avoidance means I'm just going to avoid this, act like it doesn't exist in the hope that it will go away. Mm -hmm. That y'all, it never, it doesn't go away. And maybe it will for a little while, but it comes back. Well, and I think that the biggest, yeah, distraction, the biggest def- differentiating thing is the time limit on yeah. stuff. Um, almost like just, dist- I don't want to be too extreme and say that distraction is like a crisis management. It can be for crisis management, yeah. but um, more acute versus longer term um, issues or distress that you need to deal with. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the, they can look the same, like it could be scrolling on Instagram or whatever. And then, Avoidance can be scrolling on Instagram, same mm-hmm. thing, but yeah. different intention. And I think having mindful awareness of, all right, I need to calm down before this meeting so I can get myself together or whatever. And I'm going to use this tool to do that versus like mindlessly doing things. Yeah. Yeah. I use distraction a lot if I have time in between sessions. Mm-hmm. So if I have like 10 minutes in between finishing with one client and the next one coming in, I always try to use the bathroom check like do I need a a beverage like what do I need and then I'll use that time to scroll because I don't like to start something in between sessions like I'm not going to use it to write a note like it's just that's just not me I kind of wish I would but I I don't do it (laughs) um and so I allow myself just that little bit of time to kind of zone out a little bit from my day like check out of being a therapist for a second and maybe look at stuff that's really funny and then okay let me hop back into being really attuned to other people and things like that that's very helpful for me yeah it's almost like a transitional activity yeah Mm -hmm. now a lot of times when I have to have conversations with my clients about scrolling being really problematic, it's because they really are using it to avoid in a way that is almost dissociating. Mm -hmm. So they are literally checking out, attempting to become numb to what's happening around them or their emotional experience because they maybe don't have the capacity or they just don't want to address something that's going on. Yep. Mm. And unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know, however you want to take that, but the, Social media and stuff is perfectly designed to do that. Yeah. There's the way that it feeds you content based on the content that you've consumed and stuff. I mean, it's really, mm-hmm. it's perfectly designed for that. Yeah. Before you, um, before TikTok was a thing, I used to get caught up in YouTube videos because YouTube will just suggest the vi- the next video. And I'd be like, yes, YouTube, you know me so well. I would like to watch this next video. She always knew the next product or makeup mm. thing to get. And now I'm like, wow, that was really like not a good thing for me. (laughs) I did not realize it at the time. Poor past Jen. Well, I think also they're just so the way that you can get sucked into it is so like I said earlier, I time traveled Mm -hmm. like it is just really especially there's ADHD stuff there, too. But Mm -hmm. it's just the end again. I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about soothing and what soothing means and how Mm -hmm. to do it self-soothing versus soothing maybe with other people yeah so i often will give clients an assignment of making like a self-soothing box for themselves um that can so it's like a shoe box or a container of some kind that has 
again, different sensory kind of things in it. So Mm -hmm. it might have like your favorite essential oils or packs of gum or candy or whatever. And um, like, you know, a soft blanket or whatever, Mm -hmm. things that people find comforting Mm -hmm. and um, safe, I guess, would be like soothing to me when I think of soothing, I think of safety. So something that helps you feel, again, regulated and yes neutral yeah yeah um agree i mean agreed exactly how i would describe it like it's usually senses based because that's how we can soothe our nervous system and things like that and i usually say use the word comfort like you did like what's something that's going to comfort you in a moment where you're feeling distressed or what how is a way that you could nurture yourself in a moment where you need it Mm -hmm. and so yeah a lot of times it's like what would feel what would literally feel comforting to your body. So is it, okay, I'm going to have my weighted blanket near me, or I'm going to wear a really soft, fuzzy robe, or I'm going to put these socks on, or I'm going to light this candle, or I'm going to eat a piece of chocolate. Like just what are those things? Is there a type of music that feels really soothing to you? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you said the thing about music, it may for, I just had an intrusive thought about like the old, TV commercials that they would play at two in the morning for different CDs. It's like smooth, j- like Kenny G music oh, or whatever. Uh-huh. It just made me think of that, which has nothing to do with any of this. So <laughs> that's what popped in my head. But I also think again, with soothing, just like any of this stuff is being mindful and intentional about what you're choosing. Like you mm-hmm. might light a candle in your house all the time and not really pay attention to it. But if you're trying to self soothe, it's like as you're lighting the candle, like, okay, I really love this scent. And so this is, something I'm going to do to nurture myself. Mm -hmm. So your house might still smell the same like it always does, but paying attention to it is the thing that makes it soothing. Yeah. Yeah. What's that purposeful attention piece? Mm -hmm. How can you do some self, some soothing with the help of others? So that might be something like calling a friend and Mm -hmm. talking to them or getting a hug, Mm -hmm. um, allowing someone else to nurture you, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I feel like I want to give, multiple examples to give lots of people but i i really love the junk drawer i don't want to turn it into a junk Mm -hmm. drawer by giving too many examples but yeah um well i think it's what is soothing to you that can be offered from another person mm -hmm. like like for a lot of people getting a hug from someone or being held for a moment is going to be soothing depending on the person who that is um when i want to be soothed by my spouse i ask him to give me back scratches Mm mm-hmm so I'm like, oh, scratch my back. I'm a cat. I'm a cat. Scratch my back. <laughs> That's fun. I was actually thinking about this the other day. When I was little, my mom, I used to like lay across her lap and she would, she would call it back tickled, but it was basically, mm-hmm. it's not scratching, but just like tickling my back. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about that the other night. How I was like, I need to go to my mom's house and like have her tickle my back. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> so, really nice. Mom, if you're listening. I'm going to be looking for that. (laughs) But it's just like, because that feels soothing and nurturing from the perspective Mm -hmm. of like, that's something that really comforted me when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And no, my butt, like that's familiar to me. That's something that would work to soothe me. Yeah. Yeah. Is is that like drawing a bath or asking your partner to draw a bath for you? Or like, just you, you, I don't, you figure it out. No, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like, just figure out what that means for you. Like, cause it can look different for everyone. Not <laughs> like you're on your own. That was really funny. <laughs> oh, it's okay. You're doing great, buddy. Oh, oh man. So I guess that's kind of is just another way of saying things that we've already said really, which is activation versus deactivation. Mm-hmm. Um, so activating would be like, I'm feeling low or numb and I need to do something that's going to bring energy to me and Mm -hmm. like get me oh shit sorry (laughs) the thing um like get me not it doesn't have to be moving necessarily but that idea of like action oriented versus Mm -hmm. deactivating which is more of the soothing piece yeah do you have anything to say Mm -hmm. that in a different way no, I mean, I, I think you're, I think honing in on that energy piece, like I'm in a place that feels very low or like hypo arousal. And so I need to bring myself up. But sometimes I think it's also like evoking something mm-hmm. like I need to, if you've ever been like in that low place, and you're like, I need to watch a movie and have a good cry. Like I need something to activate. Yes. Like there's something within me that needs to come out. And so what is that thing that needs to happen? Yeah. And so I behavior activation is a coping skill that, um, we use with clients. I think that the most effective way to use 
um, behavior activation is through music because it's just really fast and very mm-hmm. accessible. Like if you have a phone, you can find music. Um, I don't know why, but Lizzo good as hell. That song, like no matter what I'm doing, what mood I'm in, I will stop and dance to it. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm like super sad or really tired or whatever, it's just something about it that just makes me move my body in a way that feels really fun and energized and all of that. Um, or if, Behavior activation is like do something that would emulate the way you want to feel, right? So like if you want to feel happy, watch something funny. If you want to feel your feelings of disappointment, watch something sad. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's an important thing is coping skills are to help us express our emotions as well, not just solve them. Oh, yes. Your emotions are not to be solved, right? right? Because we can't actually do that. But well, I think that happens also sometimes when we are in hyper arousal. So like we may be having a lot of nervous energy. And sometimes we need behavior activation to work out the nervous energy, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes that's when music can be very helpful of like, okay, I'm having a lot of nervous energy, and I'm feeling restless. So let me do something to get it out of my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um Now I think that we can spend the rest of the time, you know, the next however long it takes us, (laughs) um, talking about actual different coping skills and how to use them unless there's something else from there that we – or not even from the list if you want to add it before we just move into that. No, let's talk about coping skills. What are they? What are some? One of my go-to coping skills is hiking because I find being in nature very – grounding Mm -hmm. very soothing also distracting if necessary but i can be really present and mindful when i am in nature and it also is a behavior activation tool from the perspective Mm -hmm. of i find myself experiencing lots of moments of awe and wonder and Mm -hmm. like being impressed by nature and amazed by it and so that's why one of the reasons why i really like hiking it also makes me feel really independent and powerful to do things like that and to challenge myself. A lot of people like to, I guess, scratch that. What I was going to say is thinking of the idea of rest, when people think about rest, sometimes they think about like stillness. But for me, hiking is restful, even though it's tiring Mm -hmm. and exerting, it's restful because it's replenishing. Yeah, yeah. When hiking is one of those that's not just a coping skill, but it's also just really good self-care and like healthy leisure skill. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it might be hard for some people to be like, I'm feeling distressed. Let me go on a hike right now. Sure, Like sure, that sure. might not always be accessible. Well, but Yeah. And I would say that is a longer term. Like when I had my breakup at the end of 2019, that's when I really started getting into hiking. And I spent a lot of time hiking mm-hmm. and that was very healing for me. And yeah. so I would... Correct. It's not, I can't be about to go to a meeting and be like, I'm going to go on a hike instead. But it was more of like a, this is an ongoing background, like grief that I'm experiencing. And so Mm -hmm. hiking was a good long-term sustainable coping skill for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think masturbation really falls into that place as well, where it's like, yeah, I can't be nervous about a meeting and be like, (laughs) let me go to the ladies room for a second. (laughs) Um, But it can be one of those things of like, if you are feeling like you're kind of having some depressed, a depressed mood or something like that, like that can, right, it gives us lots of really great endorphins and things like that. But it's also just a good self care practice. You said that because you think I have sex with trees. (laughs) <laughs> my lemon tree well i was about to say, i mean i know you have sex with lemon trees i don't know your relationship with the other trees of the forest nope just kidding that was funny <laughs> but that's a good one and things that and a, a coping skill that we should not forget about right agreed mm-hmm. finding pleasure in your body is a good thing and so hopefully you can do that in a way that feels safe and disconfirming maybe from some other things right and, yeah it could be Yes. Could be activated. I was going to say, yeah, there's, you know, religious stuff or trauma stuff or Mm -hmm. whatever. But um, so I think breathing is the next coping skill that I was going to talk about. I know you talked about Mm -hmm. it already, but I've had so many clients who will tell me, like, do not tell me to breathe. (laughs) Like, I very specifically remember one who, like, the first time I met her, she was like, if you tell me to breathe, I'm like going to go somewhere else. (laughs) I was like, okay. Now we talk about it because we had to work into it. But a lot of times people, don't like that because it feels minimizing to their distress, I think, mm-hmm. to just be like, just take a breath. It's like, no, when you do 
breathing as a coping skill, it is meant to be done with a intentional therapeutic way, not just like the breathing that keeps you alive, but mindful breathing that is activating your parasympathetic nervous system because when you fill your diaphragm up, it presses your vagus nerve, which is the thing that controls your nervous system. So Mm -hmm. um, it literally soothes your nervous system. Right. And you have to do it for like two minutes for it to Mm -hmm. be really effective. And so that idea of take a deep breath, well, yeah, that doesn't work. So no wonder people don't like that. Yeah. But I, to... A horn just honked in the neighborhood and I got very distracted by it. Um, The way that I will do deep breathing is to try to fill fill up my belly as much as I can, my lungs, and then breathe out like I am blowing out candles on a cake Mm -hmm. so that or breathing through a straw. So making your exhale longer than your inhale Mm -hmm. Um, because the exhale part is the part that you're really going to get some activation going there. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have a straw, then you can just breathe through your nostrils because like exhale through your nostrils because clearly your nostrils are a smaller hole than your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You can also do saying the word hole. (laughs) What's that about? (laughs) You can also do um, alternate nostril breathing. Uh So like you put your, if my voice sounds different, it's because I'm covering, (laughs) covering up my nose. Um, Put your thumb on one side and breathe mm-hmm. in. And then you hold it and switch the nostril and breathe mm-hmm. out of the other nostril. Mm-hmm. I feel weird. They all kind of <laughs> me breathing like that. And then in through the same nostril that you just blew out of and then mm-hmm. back out the other one. So kind of alternating between your two nostrils. Yep. Um, one of the breathing techniques I always teach people is square breathing because I just feel like it's the easiest. So you breathe in for four counts. You hold that for four counts. You exhale for four counts, you hold for four counts. And then it can be helpful for you to like actually draw a square as you're doing it. So you could draw upwards like with your finger or with an actual pen like for four counts and then over until you actually make the the shape of a square. So that can be helpful. Again, the good thing about breathing is you can do it anywhere. Like if you're a student and you're in class, if you're in a meeting at work, if you're at the grocery store, if you're driving your car, um, most breathing techniques you can you can quite literally do anywhere. So, but if you're having a panic attack, oh yeah, that's probably not the thing to focus on. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying in the last episode about, <clears throat> I think that no, I think it was here. Whenever it was, <laughs> um, about that being something that makes you hyper focus on your breath. If yeah, if you're in a panic attack, that's not mm-hmm. necessarily the best time to do it. Yeah. Um, another thing that's a really effective coping skill and something that you can do. Most places would be some type of body movement, and this would be like how you were talking about kind of getting out that energy. Mm -hmm. So I've told people, you know, do some jumping jacks, do a push-up, and Mm -hmm. not from an exercise perspective. Like you're not trying to get a workout, but you're trying to do something different than what you were doing. So like a novel experience that's going to interrupt your your um, spiral thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And again, focus on your body. And if it's something that feels challenging – that's helpful because it will draw your attention to that thing instead of your thinking. Mm-hmm. So it could be stretching. It could just be, I like to do like a down dog mm-hmm. yoga pose. That's something that feels really good because it can get into like all that. I do my shoulders and, you know, move my feet or whatever. Yeah. I like to do sun salutations. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So some kind of body movement. Um, Tiffany Rowe talks about like dance therapy. It would mm-hmm. be kind of the same thing. Um, so, yeah, just new experiences that are getting your body doing something different than what your mind was focused on. Yes. Yes. Another really good thing to do that that can be quick if you have this on hand is if you have like a really potent sour candy. So mm. like warheads. God, I hate warheads. <laughs> Whenever I was a kid, I would run them underwater before I would eat to them. To get the stuff off of them. Yes, should have just bought Jolly Ranchers. I know. <laughs> but I don't like sour. But that's one of those things that's going to pu- interrupt your thinking because all of a sudden your body is going to be focused on how powerful the sourness of the candy is and pull you out of that um, thought process. So Or like literally sticking your head in the freezer or splashing cold water on your face. It's all kind of the same Mm -hmm. um, intention there. Yep. What are some of the other ones that you had in your um, list? I do have a list. Let's see. Um, I know puzzles was on there. No, it's puzzles. Not not, let me see that. This does not say puzzles. 
I really saw puzzles when I looked. So puzzles is a coping skill. <laughs> this fool really- said, let me see that. Like she didn't <laughs> believe me. No, I, I, mean, wanna, I, guess- I wanted to see what I saw on there that made me think <sighs> puzzles. But puzzles are a coping skill and they can u- yeah. be used as distraction or they mm-hmm. can be used as mindfulness and like paying attention, like really getting just spit on that um, <laughs> really getting focused on the picture that you're looking at the mm-hmm. shapes of the pieces how they feel in your hands like it can be mm-hmm. a very mindful experience yes <laughs> um another one of those things can be like using your affirmations or positive self-talk so if you're feeling yourself having um that kind of thinking spiral like okay let's bring ourselves like Let's try to take a step back and be like, okay, what are some positives right now? Or what are some affirming words about, about this situation, right? Like I can do hard things. Like I can express myself if I need to, if I'm right going on the trip with my family and I'm nervous, like I can set healthy boundaries, right? So what are some of those words that we can, um, help lead us to having some more positive self-talk. I also encourage clients to have like a note in their phone that has some of those things already written down Mm. so that they don't have to try to focus on generating something, especially if they're feeling depressed because their self-talk is going to be really negative. So um, sometimes it will have done like inner child work in the past. And so like having a letter that you have written to your inner child or that your inner child has written back to you that you can pull up and look at at any time or having like an affirmation deck of cards that you Mm -hmm. pull from because if you're really distressed it's going to be hard to generate some of those things yeah yeah well a lot of times um if that if we're talking about that as a coping skill i mean usually we've done the work for you to right have some identified already um one of those other things could be maybe doing a guided meditation. So are there like, I do those a lot of times in session to end a session with people, but then usually, and like I will facilitate it, but then I may send um, like an audio file to a client where they could listen to it later or at a different time. That's going to walk them through um, a meditation process. And we knew, we know that like mindfulness meditation is just purposeful attention. So it might be bringing you into your body, bringing you into your breathing. Um, but it's helping to bring you into the here and now purpose, purposeful attention without judgment too. That's right. Yeah. Without judgment. Um, and then some of those other things could be, um, like some soothing things for your vagus nerve. So like your vagus nerve is that part of your nervous system where like trauma travels through and all of that different stuff. So a lot of times when we're activated, our vagus nerve is activated. And so what we want to do is we want to try to soothe that. And we can do that through a couple different things. Um, one of those things would be to ice your vagus nerve, So it goes down through like the center of your chest. Um, So you could put like an ice pack or some frozen peas, something like that um, right there, like on your breastbone or like right between your breasts. If um, you're a person who have, who has breasts um, and help kind of, that's going to help soothe it. Um, You can also do some other things like starting with stroking at the top of your face um, and using both your hands to stroke both sides of your face down into maybe doing kind of a butterfly hold and stroking both parts of your upper arms. There's all kinds of different ones that you can look up online that are soothing for your, for your vagus nerve. And I think a lot of times I get buy-in from clients about that because they're like, Oh, that sounds like there's science behind that. And so I, I might be more likely to do that if I, like if I'm someone who doesn't like the breathing thing, like I've made up my mind about this, but this sounds like more of like a, a medical thing that you're suggesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the vagus nerve stuff and like the butterfly hug, just to give some, since we're on podcast, they can't it, see us. I don't, I hope not. <laughs> um, you would, st- so your left hand above your right eyebrow and your right hand above mm-hmm. your left eyebrow and going down the opposite sides mm-hmm. so that your right arm would be on your left, your right hand would be on your left shoulder and vice versa. And then you could tap. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you like around where your little collarbone kind of is, um, or squeeze alternating mm-hmm. in those. Um, you could also do, um, like the pressure point between your thumb and your finger on each hand and do that in and out with your breathing. Right. So mm-hmm. like while you're breathing in, you could press and when you're breathing out, you can release and kind of just time those things together. Um, that's another thing that you can do. Yeah. I think another good coping skill can be journaling. And I think y'all have heard me say this before, like journaling can be, can be a, 
effective and ineffective. In one way, it can be effective of like, okay, let me have a cathartic experience and like get out all this stuff that's in my head. But for some people that can actually keep them stuck and be really activating of, oh, no, now suddenly I'm recounting all of this stuff. And it's keeping me in that same place of activation. So for some people just doing kind of stream of consciousness journaling is going to be helpful. And for others doing journal prompts is going to be a little bit more helpful. Um, So usually people who want journal prompts for me, I send them a huge list of them. So that way they can just kind of use what feels most helpful in the moment. Uh, But you could also get a journal that is full of journal prompts or something different like that. So that way, if you're feeling emotionally activated, and maybe you can't access a support system, you could maybe then journal instead. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing, this is specifically for like if you're feeling depressed or low motivation, um, this goes back with back behavior activation. But something that I like to do if I'm having trouble being motivated for stuff, and this is also compensatory strategy for like ADHD motivation kind of things, is I like to change my clothes into, I call them get shit done clothes. So just like leggings and a t-shirt, but I put on sneakers. And so if I'm going to try to like clean, <laughs> well, let's be honest, you know, not doing that much, but, you know, try to get, like, get things done around the house to change my physical environment to help me, um, you know, feel but like more regulated mm-hmm. or more, um, focused or calmed or whatever. I like to change my clothes and specifically put shoes on because that signals to my body, like, all right, we're like, we're focused on moving and doing things mm-hmm. versus if I'm relaxing, I'm wearing slippers or socks or no shoes. Um, so that's just another signal to your body of like, we have a purpose that we're trying to evoke something here. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Which is also why it's like, I'm not really having, I'm not in a good mood today and I don't really have plans to do anything, but I still like get dressed or maybe Mm -hmm. get ready for the day, which could mean putting on makeup or like doing your hair because that's going to evoke something for you. It's like kind of putting on a uniform, like, Mm -hmm. all right, body, this is what we're doing today. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And even if you just put on another pair of pajamas, putting on new clothes or clean clothes, not new necessarily, but clean. Yeah. Um, I I agree with you so much about the whole thing about putting on shoes. Like if I'm going to be cleaning or something, I'm like, I have to assume the outfit Mm -hmm. because that's going to be like, okay, yeah, we're not just like chilling or having a restful day. Like we're having a day that's focused on this kind of productivity. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Some other things that we both like to reading. Or that's a coping skill. I love to read. <laughs> In case y'all didn't know, <laughs> as if we haven't talked about it enough, but like reading's a coping skill. Yes. Listening to the Taylor Swift Reputation album. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Your giggle is so cute. <laughs> just makes me laugh because you just love her so much. I really do. And it's so funny. Um, I like to do crafts. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe that would be, I don't know. Part of it is also you might not even have any distress, but like you need to do something like say there's, this feels like the coping with a breakup thing, right? Of Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm not currently activated, but I also know that if I sit down and don't do something with Mm -hmm. intention, it's going to cause yeah. Distress for me and not in an avoidance kind of way because it's like the feeling isn't here right now. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to avoid something that I'm experiencing currently. It's just like preventative care, I guess, maybe would be how I would say Yeah. That. Yeah. I think that is about being proactive and that's the self-care piece because that's – so we started this by talking about like an acute way to use coping skills, but – that's also the same thing. Like if you have a bad day at work and so you're like, okay, then when I get home from work today, these are the things that I'm going to do to help me cope with the bad day or to help meet my needs. So that way this doesn't worsen. Right. Mm-hmm. So in, I'm going to go home and make dinner or maybe it's no, I'm going to get takeout. So that way I don't stress about dinner. Like it's just making choices to help take care of the needs that you have in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that you said something that maybe have this thought of coping skills don't always mean that it's going to make the situation better necessarily. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by better is like alleviating your distress, but hopefully what it will do is prevent the distress from getting worse. Yes. So I think when we talk about depression, this is going to be a big part of that is like, if you're depressed using healthy coping skills is a challenge on its own. And then it feels like they're not helping because you're so depressed, but it's like, yeah, but is it keeping it from getting even worse? Mm -hmm. So yeah, good point. That's a big part of coping skills as well. Yeah. 
We'd love to hear y'all's favorite coping skills. I would love to hear some new ones. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my clients like really impress me by the things that they're doing or the things that they've learned about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. I'm stealing that and telling everyone about this. Yeah, it's almost like the word hobby is popping into my mind, too. It's like hobby. Like I would say hiking is my hobby, but it's also a coping skill. Mm-hmm. So it's just like stuff that you like to do basically can be a coping skill. Yeah. Which sounds very Come, come see me for my expert advice about find something you'd like to do and then you'll feel happy. But, you know. No, I think that's a good point, though. I was on, having a consult with a prescriber the other day about a mutual client and we were talking about um, some challenges when sometimes people will have an expectation for their medication that it mm-hmm. take care of all the stuff. And it's like, no, there's still some stuff that you need to be doing. Right. Like the medication doesn't solve the issue. It just brings you to a baseline where you can be more successful about managing it yourself. And I think that's what this just makes me think of, of like, because we still have to do the work in some kind of way. So it's just feel, figuring out what is the work that you need to do and how can you do it mm-hmm. and be consistent with it. Really quick before we wrap up, I want to talk about sleep. And sleep used as a coping skill versus as avoidance or dissociation or yeah, because we had that consultation Mm -hmm. call and you talked about that. So I would can you share your thoughts about that? Yeah, yeah. I've just had several clients and especially as of recently, and I actually do think that this is a result kind of of the pandemic of people being home so much. But I think and this goes back to our self care episode of like, when is something being when is something self-care versus self-indulgent? And I think a lot of times we can feel so exhausted by emotionally and mentally what's going on. And so we have a desire for rest or an increased need for rest. But then when are we actually avoiding taking care of what we need to or allowing ourselves to feel our feelings by oversleeping? So that can be napping or just literally oversleeping in the morning and things like that. And at one point we'll talk about polyvagal stuff, but Mm -hmm. our dorsal response or our freeze response, that actually can be a sleep response for a lot of us. So if we're like, wow, I'm so overwhelmed, but by what's happening in the world or what's happening in my life right now. So I'm just going to go take a nap. Yeah. Hibernating. That's avoidance Mm y'all. Like let me avoid the world or the situation or the relationship or the whatever. And I'm just going to go to sleep because if I'm sleeping, I'm not dealing with it. Right. Right. And so I think we have to be very careful with that because I believe in rest and that you don't have to do anything to earn it, but that's, it's like the scrolling thing. It can be very helpful or it can actually lead to some, some things that's very unhelpful Mm -hmm. versus like, I didn't get enough sleep last night. So when we're done with this today, I'm probably going to take a nap because I need more rest because I didn't get enough sleep. Um, I think that another coping skill is joke telling and joke listening. So are you ready for a joke? I would love to do some joke listening. Do you like like that segue that I just Uh did there? I told you last time we were going to make it smoother. It was not abrupt at all. All right. I heard this on This Is Us, my cry show. If you want to evoke feelings, watch that show. I was just about to say, people have very mixed opinions about that show. I don't know why, but I don't like it. Well, I know. I'm sorry. I also think I am in the minority. I feel like most people, or at least most people I know, really like it. You just don't like things that make you feel feelings, Jen. Not sad feelings. Mm -mm. Perhaps you're avoiding them. Interesting. I mean, I'm avoiding having a (laughs) vicarious experience of fictional characters. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Why can't you trust Adams? Adams. Mm A-T-O-M-S. Why can't you trust Adams? Because they're... Sometimes they're positive. Sometimes they're... Because they make up everything. Because they make up everything. That's good, right? That is good. (laughs) That is good. I think I'd be laughing if I hadn't been trying to figure it out. Thanks to Randall on This Is Us. (sighs) All right. Well, about to go get our cope on. See y'all. Hear y'all. Let's talk to y'all next time. All right. Bye. Bye.